0: The way that your future self spends their time is infinitely more valuable than the way you spend your time. Just like the way you spend your time now is probably more valuable than your former self's time in dollars, but maybe also in quality. So it's really about just expanding your freedom
1: Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. Today, we are excited to have Dr. Benjamin Hardy. His latest book is Who Not How. Ben, welcome to Tractionville. Very happy to be back with you, gentlemen. All right. Yeah, this is your second time. So cool. Uh, We're excited to have you back. And um, Benj, I know you have been chomping at the bit for this interview. So I'm I'm going to hand it over to you. Well,
2: it really started the first time that we interviewed Dan Sullivan on the show. He must have been midway through writing this book with you because he went into a little, 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 you had to to be paying attention, um, little content around this idea. And you kept using this phrase, who, not how. It's about who, not how. And that stuck with me so strong as a mantra. And I think it's something that I've embraced personally, but I've seen a lot of people really struggle with And so it's something that, as an implementer, I really encourage people to to wade into this idea of elevate and delegate, as we say in our world. But I read your Personality Isn't Permanent book before reading this book, and I feel like there's almost a natural order happening here. Because if I was to paraphrase the Personality Isn't Permanent, you're really encouraging people to dream about their future self, and then make the decisions that that person would make. Well, if we if we dream bigger and we dream about the person we wanna be, uh, then we need some ways to get there. And then you're following that up with such a beautiful uh, methodology of who, not how. So, uh, and I love how Frank you guys are in the book. I'm just gonna talk the whole time about your book and how awesome you are. Cool. I love it. Um, <laughs> keep
1: going, you're on it,
2: keep rolling. Um, I even love how like, open you guys are about the fact i mean the book says on the same side dan sullivan with dr benjamin hardy and in the beginning you're like yeah and and i used a who not how to write this book because i didn't do anything this dan sullivan <laughs> <Solomon> talking <laughs> benjamin hardy did the whole thing so um i even love that that metaphor because so many people do that but they don't talk about that right there's lots sure. of ghost writers out there chris and i have a, a book coming out and we had a ton of help with it um, and we used other people to get it done because we couldn't have gotten there as far, as fast, as good by ourselves. So, how did this book happen with you and Dan Sullivan? Give us some backstory. Totally.
0: Yeah. And I think you're dead on, by the way, as far as like, so one of my favorite quotes from Dan Sullivan is the idea that, well, his quote is the only way you can make your present better is by making your future bigger. And so like that has a lot to do with future self. And and there's a lot of research and psychology behind that, you know, specifically the idea is prospection and psychology, that whatever view you have of your future, that's the thing driving your present. But also you hit the nail on the head as well, that like who not how is a methodology, uh, in order to be motivated towards a goal, you have to have a pathway to getting there. And so who not how is really just to provide pathways to helping you create a bigger future. Um, how this book came about, I kind of came on Dan Sullivan's thinking back in 2014. So this is when I was barely starting my PhD program. I had never even started blogging. I didn't, I didn't even like, I wasn't even anywhere near being a writer at the time. Um, I was a writer in the form of my journals. Um, and I wanted to be a writer. I started writing really aggressively in 2015, but in 2014, my, my aunt Jane, she joined genius network and, This was during the first year of my PhD PhD program. And I imagined myself being a professional writer. I just hadn't actually dove into it yet. And so I just watched her go through this transformation with her business and stuff. And she was telling me about people like Joe Polish, Dan Sullivan, Peter Diamandis. I was just, I was very novice when it came to entrepreneurship, but she let me log into like the Genius Network login portal. And I started watching videos and I started like learning about Dan Sullivan. And so I was really getting excited and I actually ended up calling strategic coach before, you know, and I just asked them, how do you join strategic coach? And they're like, well, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be making like at least $250,000 a year or something like that and whatnot. And I hadn't even, I wasn't even an entrepreneur at the time. And so I was like, Oh, I guess I'll wait, (laughs) you know? Um, but I just studied, you know, I just thought his thinking was fascinating and ultimately, in 2017, if you know, fast forward to 2017, I'm still in my PhD program, but at that point I joined Genius Network because you know, my writing had taken off and I just got to know Dan and it was in 2018, um, I published Willpower Doesn't Work. He loved the book and ultimately in 2018, he really came upon the idea of who not how and he presented it to everyone in the group And I just loved the idea. I thought it was so powerful. And I said, Dan, if you ever want to turn that into a book, you know, he presented it like as a 15 minute talk. He's just like, he explained who, not how he showed the model. And I just told him after his 15 minute talk, if you ever want that to be a book, I want to write the book. And he just immediately like, you know, and I explained the story in the book, but he basically gave me his impact filter. The next morning impact filter is his what and why it's his like one page document that really provides the vision. And he just said, here's the vision I have. Here's why it's so important. Let's do the book. So I spent the next like five, three or four months writing the book proposal and my publisher didn't want it. A year passes. It's now like 2019 and um, I'm just stuck. I'm in the middle of writing. Personality isn't permanent. It's taking way longer than I expect. My publisher is still not interested in who, not how. And so ultimately I realized I can't figure this out. I can't do it. So that's when I went and told Tucker Max, who ended up being my who, I just said, Tucker, how do I do this? You know, I want to write this book with Dan. And ultimately, he set it all up. He set the relationship up with Hay House, and ultimately, we were able to sell the publisher a, a kind of back backdoor way without me being involved. And uh, I wrote the book, and so then uh, you know it got written, you know, in the end of two thousand nineteen, early two thousand twenty, and it came out in October of two thousand twenty.
2: So you break the book down, kind of the the big, not the chapters, but the big sections: freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of relationship, and freedom of purpose it was interesting because as I went through it, I felt like I was going on a, um, those themes are definitely in there, but the journey I felt like I was going on was using who, adopting this mentality of who and thinking about who your who's are out there for the future self you want to be. And then it shifted. And then it was about being the who. Who are you going to be a who for that actually aligns with, you know, it's not like taking a time out from the future self, but your future self that you want to have, who's the who that you want to be for other people. And then, again, another turn that I wasn't expecting, you really went into like, protecting your who's and don't, don't get into the wrong who's and the wrong the, the ways that you set up bad expectations within this. Uh, so maybe that's the first time you're hearing that, um, or maybe you've never thought
0: about it. That I, I love the, I love the ride you're going on. Um,
2: but I I just, I found it fascinating and I think it's going to be extremely helpful because um, like one of my businesses, I've got a visionary in there. He's visionary off the chain and it's in that small company size where the obvious answer is he needs an integrator, but that who that can elevate it, the business is just not, quite there yet so he's in this constant tension well we just we just bit the bullet said get the integrator do it we're gonna do it get the integrator we can't afford it we're gonna do it anyway his whole life is different he thinks about things differently he makes different decisions he he's able to do like the right thing and so i think if we can get people reading this they're gonna get unstuck in some really empowering ways um why why where'd the Freedom of time, money, and relationship, and purpose come from. Why were those four really important to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, those were those were ultimately. That's a framework that Dan has. That's the. Um, that's that's kind of his purpose for everything he does in strategic coach. That's his mon- mindset as far as what entrepreneurship is really about. Is about creating freedom in your life. And those are the four freedoms that he's defined as the the motivations and kind of the ways that you can expand as a person is having more and better time. Like the way that your future self spends their time is infinitely more valuable than the way you spend your time. Just like the t- way you spend your time now is inf- probably more valuable than your former self's time in dollars, but maybe also in quality. So it's really about just expanding your freedom, how you have, how you spend your time, but also what you can spend your time on. Um, how much money you, you have and and what you can spend your money towards, who you spend your time with and what you could be collaborating on. And then ultimately, you know, what is the purpose driving you? Um, all of those, all of those things are freedoms that the book tries to help people grow into. And so who our belief is that the the you know the who's you have in your life determine those things. The who, you know, the people you're with determine the quality of your time, but also what you can do with that time. The people you have in your life determine how much money you make. Um, and what you can do with that money. So those those are just the ultimate outcomes that we're trying to create for people through Who Not How.
1: Your customers are looking for you online. Earning their attention in business is not an easy task. You deserve a custom strategy tied to your unique business goals that will allow you to rise above the competition. So if you're not confident that your digital presence is driving the sales you need, Now is the time to take action. At RocketClicks, that's our mission, and we are committed to growing your business online. Mention this podcast when you contact us, and you'll receive a free audit of your website or ad campaigns. No strings attached, no commitment necessary. Let us show you what you're missing. Contact RocketClicks today by visiting www.rocketclicks.com.
2: I got to take a little time out because the what you were just talking about, about investing in your future self, I learned from you in a YouTube video where you're breaking down why Mr. Beast is so successful. And I bet that 90% of our audience in Tractionville has no idea who Mr. Beast is, but I knew because I've got kids and
1: mm-hmm. they love
2: Mr. Beast, this guy that makes ridiculous YouTube videos um, but a little plug for you because you, you have not only this YouTube series, but an email that goes out what weekly,
0: I don't even know, probably like two or three times a week. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, and it's just ridiculously simple, but good content. I, I I'm going to put you on a level. There's only a few people that I have on this level, but you're like up there with like the Adam grants of the world. Um, Thank you. <laughs> That's <too>. really generous. <laughs> There's so much like EQ and health behind what you put out. It's not, There's not like bravado behind it. And so it's, it's just, I find it really, really refreshing. Ben, on page 114, you make a big, bold statement. Mm-hmm. And I want you to back it up because there's... <laughs> <laughs> it says, you have to work less to make more money.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that's... Dan Sullivan genuinely believes in. And I think I believe him too. <laughs>
2: okay. But why, why, why do yeah. you believe that? What can you back that up? Because there's a lot of people out there just grinding and they're getting a lot of their, um, you know, validation from grinding a lot of their, uh, view of their future self has a success tied into it that they believe is going to come from them grinding. And so this idea of working less feels opposite of the grind. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, so it it really hits on the core premise of the book. The core premise of the book, and it's really written for Western thinkers. You know, whether you're—I mean, it's it's really written for everyone. But we live in America. You know, whether that we we live in North America generally, North America or or Canada—not well, Canada—but also um, like Europe. We're in the West, and people who are Westerners are individualistic. We're individualists. Dan would call them rugged individualists, and so a rugged individualist is someone who believes they've got to do it all themselves. They're how trained, you know, we're trained in our education system to compete against each other, to take tests against each other and whoever, you know, we're trying to get A's against our peers versus collaborating with our peers to create something that, you know, the whole becomes different from the sum of the parts, creating something that would be different because we're two, we're two creative minds doing something together. But in business, it's, it's about collaboration more so than competition. And your, your, your success is based on who you're working with. And so really the book is inviting you to stop doing all the things you're doing. You know, I actually, my father-in-law read the book and he said, I was probably the inspiration for writing this book. And I was like, not at all, but he is a complete how guy he, he and he admitted, you know, he had a successful career, but he could have been 10 or a hundred times more successful if he was more of a collaborator because he didn't want to team up with people. He wasn't a team player and said he wanted to do things his own way. And he, he did everything himself. And so the the main idea is is that there's too many things you're doing, even maybe answering your own emails. You know, whatever it is, you're doing way too many hows, and so as a result, your mindset towards your future and your ability to do those few things that really could move the dial is limited because you're you're the one you're limited by what you can do on your own. Most people are doing way too many things, and if you did less things, but empowered other people to to take over those things and to take ownership of those things, you would be doing less. I actually wrote an article. And this was from a totally different mindset. This was more of a high performance mindset, but I wrote an article like three or four years ago called this morning routine will save you 20 hours per week or more. Um, and I wrote that article even before like the whole who, not how mindset set in for me, but it was more like if you work with the right mindset at the right time, when your brain is optimal, you should probably only work three or three to five hours a day, you know, like, and I kind of talked about other countries in the world who had like a 30 hour work week. Um, but my belief at that time was, if you're in a flow state, if you're at the right place, if you're working from an optimal mindset, you know, if you work for three or four hours in flow a day, that should be all you need, and then you need to spend the rest of the time recovering, or learning, or having enjoyment in the rest of your life. Um, and so, even when I was getting my PhD, I was probably working as a blogger for less than twenty hours a week. But my blogs were being read by millions and millions of people, and I was having—I was a foster parent of three kids doing a PhD program. And so, if you were just looking at my work as a writer. It was like 10, 15 hours a week, but I was succeeding massively because of how I was doing it. Um, So I think that, I, I do think that people need to work less because I think people are doing too much. And I also think, so from two perspectives, one is they're not giving themselves enough time to recover and they're not giving themselves enough time to think and grow as a human. It's like the whole Jim Rohn thing. If you work more on yourself than your business, then you can make a fortune. So I think people aren't working enough on themselves. They're too busy working. But the second aspect of that is, is that they're doing too many things and they don't have teamwork going on that allows them to only do the few things that really matter. So I definitely believe in recovery, which Dan teaches, and I definitely believe in teamwork. And I think with those two things, you should work a lot less. You should have a lot more free time to work on yourself. And also with the help of other people, it's pretty ridiculous how, how much the results can change.
1: So when, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking of my father, my father was a, a, a corporate guy. And then uh, most of his life, he was an entrepreneur uh, and, and successful. But as we're having this conversation, I can remember anytime if I walked in on him and he was doing the books, he'd close the books, right? And my, he, was, he was all about how. And how do you take someone who's stuck in that mindset to get them to shift? Because they're holding on tight. I mean, we talk
0: yeah, they don't for- trust other people. They think that they're the only people who can do it or they get some form of internal satisfaction from doing all the hard work themselves yeah. and feeling like they're hard workers. Yeah, I think the first step is, um, I don't know if you can, like if someone who is like like my father-in-law as an example, he read the book and he was convinced of the premise, um, but to have someone like that apply the principle, luckily yeah. in his case, he kind of has to in some degree, like he and his wife, my mother-in-law are in a court battle. And so like, it's, you know, it's clear to them that they need a really good attorney to do this, even though he wants to do it himself. <laughs> um, but in the book, I provide some examples. Like, for example, there's a guy named Wes, who's a really good friend of ours. And in the book, I actually talk about how he almost dies. You know, he fell off his roof because he was like a construction guy. And he, he was trying to, trying to do something he shouldn't, almost killed himself trying to put like a new fan or something on his roof. But he, he tested the principle. You know, I, I think the first, the, first, the first thing you need to do is when you're trying to do something, your initial response is probably, how do I do this? Or you're trying to get yourself to do it or you're trying to find the time. And I think if you can train yourself to just ask who can do this for me, or who would be better at doing this for me, or who can help me with this. Um, you, have to just, you have to just sometimes catch yourself doing it and train yourself. You know, he finally, in this case of Wes, actually bit the bullet and spent like 300 bucks to hire someone to put up his Christmas lights. Um, and so I think just taking the time to do small investments, you know, maybe hire someone to do X, Y, or Z to to do small investments in the beginning and realize that nothing's going to fall apart. You know, maybe hire someone to just handle your schedule, you know, maybe hire, maybe, you know, get an Uber driver. You know, that's one example, rather than driving yourself all over the place, try Ubering a few places so that you can prep yourself for the meeting or work while you're driving, do small investments and realize that other people can actually handle things more than you. And that if you've freed up that, that time, you've also freed up that space in your mind to do better things. Um, then you'll quickly realize in small doses that your identity, your future and your potential has changed because you're no longer consuming your mind and behavior on that thing. Even in small ways, you free up 10 minutes or 10 hours here. Now, all of a sudden, where does that 10 hours go? You can now spend that time with your kids or you can spend that time visualizing or strategizing towards a bigger future. So I think I think the only way you can do it is practicing in small ways. And once you've actually applied it, you actually immediately get the, the change in your ideal future.
2: That that's sure. a great point because like one of the first lessons I feel like I ever gotten this I grew up Chris and I both grew up midwest and um I moved to Atlanta and I'm working and I did not enjoy mowing my lawn and <laughs> I wanted to hire somebody else to mow my lawn and I had to battle this fact that I felt a little bit of like giving up my man card or like shame <laughs> because like I'm not mowing my own lawn like who who would do that what kind of you know, man would let somebody else mow his lawn. And oh my gosh, I would be nuts if I was trying to keep up my own lawn. It's so silly. And you do the math on, you know, three guys showing up for 20 minutes, knocking it out versus (laughs) me spending, you know, four hours every Saturday. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense, but there is something that you've got to mentally overcome. Um, And then part of that for me, honestly, is remembering that I'm empowering somebody else. Like, I'm giving somebody else an opportunity to do what they love, to do what You're they You're
0: giving want. them the opportunity that they want. Right. To They're be looking for that job. To, yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> and um, now I'm like, everywhere I look, I'm looking for people that are hungry to do things that I, that I would value taking off my plate.
0: Yeah, I think one, one major shift that we try to convey in the book is to not look at hiring someone to help someone, for example, hiring someone to mow your lawn cost you 50 bucks a month, cost you a hundred bucks a month. Rather than viewing that as a cost, you look at it as an investment. You look at it in, as an investment in your future self. Um, you know, like if you were to free up those four hours a month, what does that mean for your future self? What could you now do because you now have those four hours? Um, every time you invest in a who or in something, your future self just got bigger. Um, and so now you have different capability. Now you have four extra hours that may be worth way more than that hundred dollars that you just gave to that person. That hundred dollars to your current self could be worth tens of thousands or millions to your future self because now you have those four hours to play with your kids or to work on things that are higher impact. So you got to look at it as an investment. If you're looking at it as a cost, then you're looking at yourself as a cost. (laughs) You're looking Um, at time as a cost and you're 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 gonna be limited in your thinking. But if you can look at it as an investment, then What you could get in return for those four hours and for that hundred dollars could be infinitely more.
2: Talk about the the very last chapter in here, um, who's expand your vision and your purpose. Explain how that works.
0: Yeah. So as an example for myself, my initial vision for this book was to do one book with Dan Sullivan. I didn't see beyond that. You know, my, again, my behavior is based on my view of the future. But once you get another who involved, in this case, it was Tucker Max, he was like, dude, why would you only do one book? Why wouldn't you guys collaborate and do like 10 books? And it's really easy to set up. He knew how to set up a 10 book deal. And he was thinking, bringing, you know, it's the whole idea that when you change the, you know, when you change a part, you change the whole. Other people, first off, enable you to do more. So for example, you get the person to mow your lawn. Now you're like, holy cow, I now have eight extra hours a month. Like what, you know, it changes your view of the future just by bringing in a who like that. But if you bring in partners, who think differently and who have different capabilities and who, who have, you know, who can, who can solve problems, like from a motivation mindset, a lot of our motivation is, so there's my favorite theory of motivation is called expectancy theory. And basically what it says is that motivation is based on three things. One is whatever goal you're trying to pursue. So you won't be motivated if you don't have a clear goal. Also, your motivation is based on the pathway you have towards getting that goal. So if I have a goal of, let's just say, becoming a professional writer, but I have no clue how to do it. My motivation is going to be limited until I can find that path. Once I find a path, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to go for that. you know? And then also you need to develop the confidence to getting there. Well, what who's bring when you bring a new who in is, is they bring new pathways. Not only can they expand the goal, you know, don't do one book, do 10, but they make the path possible. Yeah, here's the way to do it. We're going to go with Hay House because I was clogged. I couldn't figure it out. And so once you, so who's can expand not only the vision, but they can provide pathways that you can't come up with or that you didn't think of or that you didn't know. Because they've got either the knowledge or the capabilities or the relationships to do it. And so now all of a sudden, they've not only expanded the vision for what's possible, but they've now made it possible by providing pathways. And so now your purpose or your vision for what you were initially doing changes. Oh, we're not doing one book anymore. Now we're doing 10. And so whose can expand your vision because your current vision is pretty limited by yourself. But when you bring other people in with higher capabilities, knowledge or experiences or, or connections, all of a sudden what's possible changes. And that's that's the goal is that's is expanding your view of what's possible and realizing that it's not on you it's actually on your team to bring that about right. so your own vision right now is limited by your team it's limited by yourself and the who's that are involved in your vision and so if you're thinking about what is your current vision it's 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 capped by by the current you know the current team you have around that vision and if you had other who's you'd be probably striving for a different goal and you'd have probably better strategies or pathways to achieving it but your current goal and strategies are based on you and your current team.
2: All right, so give us those three on motivation again. One's the destination or the goal, second's the pathway. What was the third?
0: The third is the confidence to create it. And um, you know, the belief that you can actually execute that path. You know whatever, you know. And the nice part about who's is is that they're the ones that can execute the path. That's actually why Dan was so excited about me and Tucker doing the book is cuz he didn't want to execute the path. He had confidence in us. He didn't have confidence in himself. He had confidence in his who's. He's like, I know Ben can write good books. I've read his books. I know Tucker can package books and strategize books. That's what he does. And so you, not only can the who's provide you with the path, but, they, but you can put your confidence in the who's that they can accomplish that path and that you don't need to put it all on yourself. And that's, I think, a big part of leadership as well is giving people the autonomy to do the how their own way.
2: So this is pretty easy to contemplate when you're the leader of a very small entrepreneurial organization, and it's like you know the boss and all of his workers, right? He's he's the guy enabling all these whos to be the how. Help me think about, or how do we think about when we have a little bit larger organization with several different layers of management and leadership totally, totally. in place? how far do you push this idea? Because I can see some tension of being like, Oh, well, I don't want to, I'm not going to go take this book and preach it to my whole organization because nobody's going to want to do anything. They're all going to want to hire more people to do it for them. Like, where does, this, yeah. where does that live? How do you wrestle that tension?
0: So like from an organization standpoint, I, I think that all like there are teams nested within teams. Right. And I think that from what I've studied about teamwork, I think most teams cap about 10 to 15 people, you know, like, let's just say like a financial team or like an accounting team or a marketing team. Like most teams are not going to be, you know, a team stops being effective and even stops being a team and becomes something else. I think beyond like, I think 13 or 15 people. Um, And so obviously within teams that uh, this mindset can work. But one thing that Dan does that I think is really cool in strategic coach, they have a fairly big company relatively, you know, I think it's like 130 uh, employees. It would be powerful from Dan's perspective. If let's just say someone on his team got a who to do some of their tasks so that they could do higher level tasks, you know, like that's, that's like, that's, that's where the who becomes more thoughtful in how they spend their time. It's like, if the who starts expanding their vision of what's possible for the company and what they can do towards that company. And so they then take on someone. And I, I do that in my own company and I have a small company. You know what I mean? Like if my assistant is doing five things and she realizes that these three things are way more important, I'm like, okay, so who do we need to hire to take over those other two? You know, like I think that that's just a person taking more ownership of their job and the fact that they are contributing to the major results. Um, as far as like the application of that, I think it would have to be like the the head leader obviously wouldn't do that, but hopefully they create a culture where people do have autonomy in how they do things and have autonomy in their role and and what they contribute. And if they realize that they're doing way too many things, maybe they bring someone on to take over those, those activities so that they can do more things. But the only way I think that that would work is if you view your who's, not as a cost, but if you view them as an investment. You know, if you view them as it's, you know, if you bring on another person, then this person now is five times more capable, you know, and so you have to just look at people differently. You can't look at them as cogs.
2: Yeah, so many micro mind shifts. Have to happen to really it's it, there's almost like layers of advancement through this process of being not about me and really empowering other people all right we've only got a couple minutes tease us with your next book
0: yeah the gap in the i mean i'm doing three books right now but um i am doing a book with tucker called you can choose your future self which is in my opinion what personalities and permanent could have been or should have been i'm going to let personalities and permanent be its own book but this book is a lot more of an effective book it teaching the, you know, the science and the strategy for imagining and becoming your desired future self. Um, the book I'm doing with Dan is called the gap in the Gain. It's based on a concept he came up with, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, he's got a little book of it. You can go to, I think if you just Google the gap in the Gain and strategic coach, you can download the free little 10,000 word ebook that he's done and even hear some interviews. But I think the concept is amazing. It's the one I've chosen for us to do the next book on but basically it's this, what Dan says is, is that people are unhappy because they're always measuring themselves against their ideal. You know, your ideal is a moving target. You know, I wrote this book, who, not how I achieved that goal, but now my ideal is like, I need to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's good. It's good to have a future self. It's good to be driven by the future. But if you're always measuring yourself against the future, you're always in what Dan calls the gap. Um, the gain is where you're measuring yourself against where you formerly were. So if rather than constantly measuring myself against my future self, If I was measuring myself against my former self, you know, who was I a year ago? Oh, I hadn't published these two books. I hadn't learned all these things. If you're measuring yourself against the gain, then you're always feeling like a winner. You're always feeling progress. And that's kind of what Dan teaches people to do in strategic coaches. Every three months you go to strategic coach and you look at what are all the wins you had from the last three months, and then use that to envision a bigger future. Um, But the gap in the gain goes a lot farther. And by the way, there's a really good quote from Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway was a famous novelist. And he said that true nobility is not being more superior than other people. True nobility is about being superior to your former self. So I think it's just really powerful to take the time. And I don't think people actually do it enough to actually measure what are all the things that happened in the last week or the last three months? Like, what are all the things, what's all the progress that we've made in the last three months? if you actually took the time personally and professionally to look at what are all the things that happened in the last three months, you'd actually be shocked at how much has happened. Um, and on a very practical level, like I've got some family friends who go to our church and they we, I was having dinner at their house recently and they're having some financial you know, challenges given COVID and whatnot. And they were like a little bit depressed and, and <laughs> thinking negatively about their life and their future. And I said, all right, all right. So let's just look at look at where you were six months ago, where were you six months ago and have you made progress versus where you were six months ago? And they thought about it and they're like, Oh yeah, holy cow. Like we've made so much progress (laughs) since where we were six months ago. And I'm like, that's what you need to focus on. Like if you focus on where you were six months ago and where you're at now and what you've done and the progress you've made, you're gonna be filmed out and they're like, Holy cow, you're right. Like we can't actually do that. That actually gives you hope. That gives you a sense of confidence and a sense of purpose. Um, and so that this book just trains you to look at the gains rather than the gaps. Um, not only to compare yourself against your former self, but also as just another example, my kids. My wife makes dinner, works hard for a few hours, makes dinner, and as soon as the kids show up, they're like, oh, it's not what we wanted, right? That's being in the gap. It's like, you- you don't realize that you just got a gain. You just got a meal on the table, right? So it's, it's an immediate reframe. It allows you to just take any situation and say, what are the gains rather than what are the gaps? It's like, what are the things that are good that came out of this? Or how am I better because of this? It's just, in my opinion, the ultimate mindset shift. But from Dan's perspective, it's how you can stay happy all along the way. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs or just people in general, even if they're ambitious and successful, they're never happy because they're always comparing themselves against their ideal. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, you're never going to be happy because you're always in the gap. Uh, it doesn't matter how much your kid is an amazing person. You're only focused on why they're not showing up. It doesn't matter how great your wife is. You're in the gap about your wife. It doesn't matter how great you are. You're in the gap. And so this just shows you where the gains are. You know, and as a parent, I'm like, you know, I adopted three kids. There's a lot of gap in those foster kids. But if I actually focus on the gains, holy cow, look at how different they are from where they were a year ago. Look at how much I've improved. Then I feel hope. I feel great. I feel progress. And so that's the goal, is to actually feel good through the process of change.
1: Yeah. Well, for it, for it sounds it just it's, it's positive mindset. It is. We it's an
0: say, it's just a simple reframe of looking at the gain rather than the gap.
1: That's great.
2: I love that. That's a good challenge for me. It's a good I challenge as we wrap for Tractionville. You have so much going on. We're going to link to everything uh, in the show notes. If you haven't listened to our first conversation with Dr. Benjamin Hardy, uh, go find that because that's just as challenging and exciting and um, entertaining. I think we had some good debate on that one. And um, that's good stuff. <laughs> leave us, leave us just what's your biggest, you've got leaders, visionaries, integrators, managers, uh, entrepreneurial minded companies out there grinding What's your biggest piece of advice or wisdom to leave us with today?
0: Yeah, I think that the more, basically your, your potential and your vision for your future is completely limited by the who's you have in your life and how well you utilize them. That's kind of, you know, like the people you work with and the people that work with, with and for you. Um, and I think the sooner you own that and the sooner you free yourself from all the hows you're doing, except for... Whatever's in that one quadrant, right? The few things that really matter. The sooner you free up ten hours here, fifteen hours there, and give yourself the freedom to think, to to imagine, to play, to relax, to recover, um, and also to focus and flow on the few things that matter, the bigger your future will be. Uh, And so, I would just challenge people who are listening who may have some resistance to this idea to try it. You know, like get a who in one area of your life. It could be getting someone to mow your lawn. It could be hiring a personal trainer to take you to, you know, to work you out at the gym and realize you actually could get in better shape than you thought you could. Uh, or it could be someone doing your email or someone doing your schedule, or it could be hiring an implementer to handle your whole team so that now you can free yourself of that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's the idea is that in life, your success is based on who you're with. It's like who you marry determines who you become in a lot of ways. Right. But who, who you, who you have in your life, Determines what what your future is going to be.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate all of your work. We will link to it. Uh, Tractionville, go get a book. Go sign up for the the email newsletter. There, uh, Ben has a thirty day. What is it? A workshop to thirty days. It's like a thirty day future self
0: self program. Yeah, Yeah, so good,
2: so good. Um, And uh, the books, uh, go get those. Who not how? The latest one that we've been talking about here. We'll link to all that. And I'm going to throw down. If you don't find it valuable, you let me know. I'll pay back the money that you spend. It's all worth it. Um, So thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get you back next time. Keep putting those books out and we'll keep having you back to Tractionville.
0: Dude, I love it, man. You got it. My pleasure.